Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast Season 5. Never forget that to the best of us, protection's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. Enjoy. Boom. What's up, you guys? Byron Rogers here with another episode of the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. I've got Orlando Wilson of Risk Incorporated with me and I'm excited about this episode for a few reasons. I've followed Orlando and 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 this profile for a while that he's had on Instagram because it's had such great and informative content. I've reposted a lot of their stuff over the years. So it's an honor to have you here, sir. How you going? How you doing? Yeah, good, good. Thanks for uh, reaching out. I think we've uh, we've passed a few times, but we've not really spoken. So we finally get to speak. So yeah. thank you. Absolutely. It's an honor. Thanks for doing what you do and putting out really good, I think informative content, but like the look and feel of it's awesome too. <laughs> you know, like I appreciate the, uh, you know, the whole, the vibe, you know, the way it looks. Um, but uh, it's awesome to link up with another content creator that's doing some really good stuff. All right. Thanks. Thanks. I think that these days it's something I never really wanted to get into, but I think you have to get into it these days. Um, we've started throwing out more videos since December when my guys pushed me, Dionysus especially in Greece, pushed me to uh, start doing the videos because we got a lot of content. We just need to get it out there, especially yeah. these days. Yeah. I think too, it's, I think it's a little bit necessitous that we have guys that are really doing things, <laughs> making content. I see some kind of, you know, sometimes I see things and I'm just like, ah, oh, the internet, you know, and, and, Many of the viewers don't know the difference. You know, when I saw your page, I instantly was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, I can learn a lot from this guy, you know, instantly. And so I just, I always appreciate that. You know, that's, I'm glad you, you chose to take the jump. I, I feel sorry for a lot of the guys these days. There's so much stuff out there. And again, they have to pick and choose. And there's a lot of stuff out there. So there's some very good people still out there. But all I can say to be polite is you have to be very, very careful these days. Very yeah. careful. Absolutely. That's life, right? Yeah, that is life. So one of the, the, the opening questions we always, we have to start with, because you know they're dying to know, <laughs> you know, what's your background? You know, how'd you get into this? For sure. The whole I was in, I always wanted to get into this line of work since I was a kid. So I ended up joining the British military, the six seventeen. Um, I was in Northern Ireland, Cyprus, et cetera. I got out after five years, paid my way out. Then I moved to London. I was involved in, at that time, any type of security possible to put some money in the bank. And I moved on to event security, close protection, et cetera. I was the, then I got into the investigations. I was in UK until 2001, and I moved to the U.S. I was in Miami for 18 years, well, Broward County, 18 years. Huh. And again, I was, I've was i always been in the security business, and if you're in this business, you, you're doing various things all the time. So that's the investigations. We also do the firearm training, the close protection training. So again, I've had my fingers in a lot of pies over the years, but that's what you have to do if you want to keep busy, right? 100%. I almost changed the title from ex I, well, I went back and forth quite a bit between executive protection lifestyle to private security lifestyle because mm -hmm. in all actuality, I feel like if you're good, you're doing a lot of different things, you know, and it's not all always the executive. 
I think this is what people don't realize. If you're providing serious close protection, executive protection services, right. you have to understand investigations. Right. You have to understand residential security. If you've got a corporate client, if they're in industry, you have to understand the industry. Right. You have to understand every aspect of the security business. This is where, in reality, the close protection, executive protection business should be the top of the security world. Right. But there's a lot of things going on at the moment. But I think I tell people you can never stop learning and you need to learn every aspect you can of the security business as much Absolutely. as possible. Yeah, no, I, I can't, I couldn't agree more. You've got to know what it takes to secure the venue, the house. There's technical, quite a bit of technical considerations. Uh, mm -hmm. And then now we have this digital realm of, yeah, of completely. vulnerability completely. and opportunity and everything, you know? So it's 100% being well-rounded, you know? What types of things have you seen in the digital space kind of start to uh, impact what you do and the clients that you're seeing? With the digital, a lot of people are just worried about securing their data and securing, again, the main one people come to me with is their phones and communications. Yeah. And that in itself, I'm old school. I like everything low tech. Right. But again, people are on about their cell phones being hacked. Well, all you can do is, in my world is reset it. But that in itself is a completely different realm. Right. Um, people securing or computer security. We have to know the basics, but we're not going to be uh, computer uh, IT security experts. Absolutely. Um, as far as stuff like listening devices and everything else, it's like even from the investigation point of view, to me, everything's double sided. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to attack to learn how to defend. Right. But um, even looking these days with digital cameras, little surveillance cameras, mm -hmm. um, you can pick them up for like, I don't know, it's like in US, $40, $50. Yeah, anyone can get them. They're just, <laughs> it's like a pocket a item. Little Wi Fi camera, put yeah. it in somebody's garden, put it in somebody in a bush in somebody's garden. All right, that person can be monitored from anywhere in the world. Right. All you need is a hotspot, et cetera. So again, we have to keep up to speed on this. And I talked to how many guys doing um, residential security and asked them, how many times have you searched your garden for cameras? Yeah. They don't think about it. But that's where we're in. In my day doing surveillance, it'd be somebody sat in the sat in a bush with a camera. Right. Now you get you put a camera in, et cetera. So we have to understand the surveillance stuff from for defensive and offensive purposes. Mm -hmm. So I think um the digital realm, it's going so fast. Mm -hmm. And we put some stuff out about drones and robots and stuff. That's gonna be the future. And we're gonna have to understand that. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on the res guys, man, I, I want residential guys. I wish they, you know, I know that in the industry, sometimes they can look at them as like a JV to the EP, mm. you know, but man, being the king of that kingdom, protecting that kingdom, there's so much that goes into it. If you do it right, like that's, that's like a, like a whole, like a, like a, like a, a position, <laughs> you know, like you have your snipers, you have your demo guys, like, like this is a something you really need to learn to master, you know, the day-to-day -day operations and protecting that environment. Not only is it so important, it's almost like close quarters, CQ, yeah. like EP, CQB, because your client looks out their front window, you know, you're in close quarters a lot, which is dangerous, <laughs> you know. A lot that goes into it if it's done properly. But I think this is where a lot of clients get scammed because they go to yeah, security companies mm -hmm. and the security company will send them along the uniform guard or somebody just to sit at the front of the house and that's it. Oh, if residential is done properly, 
then there's a lot to it. Yep. And I say to the clients, I say to people, and I put something out about, about this recently, well, ask your security for a threat assessment. What assessment have they done on your building? Right. 100%. And if most clients will ask their security companies this, the security companies will be scratching their heads thinking, what the hell's a threat assessment? this is it It is people need to understand there's a big difference between executive protection close protection world and man guarding world right but people don't want to pay the money well if you don't pay the money and your problems well that's why you're having problems right 100% I think it's I think that issue with payment and standards is global Mm -hmm. it's everywhere but it's not all we can do is try and educate people and especially educate the clients because they're the ones getting scammed in the end. Either they're losing too much money or they think they have security. They don't have security. Don't have security. They just put a body. Right? 100%. Maybe a cool background. Maybe. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree, man. And that's one of the things I've been trying to fight from the inside of the industry, trying to create a culture where guys take – it's more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. You know, like – the stuff we do, the stuff you train people to do, this is what makes you a legitimate protector, seeking improvement, seeking learning. Yeah, man, 100%. And the battlefield's always changing. So the guy that just has a job and and is stagnant is is, is really turns into a liability as, as things advance. Yeah. 100%. Who are you at your core? Like, who is the man behind all the skills? You know, like, who's the guy who's had this career and and and, and is doing this work? Why do you do this work? As I said, it's something I've always wanted to do. It's something that interests me. Mm-hmm. And I think if the security business is done properly, and we'll say security business in general, yeah. there's that much to it. And you're constantly learning. You're constantly improving. Mm-hmm. And I like challenges. And I, I get bored very, very quickly. And again, it's like there's that much I can I can work 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I work from the moment my, I wake up, I look at my phones, to the moment I put them down at night, that's it. And again, there's that much going on. It's like, as you said, it's a lifestyle. If I had to go and get a regular job where I'm just sat somewhere, it wouldn't, I couldn't do it. I'd I'd die. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'd lose it. Yeah. Again, it's like, one, yes, I enjoy what I do to an extent. It drives me crazy at times. Right. But again, I think it's, it's a very interesting, I've done crazy stuff over the years. I've done stuff that I would never, ever have thought of doing if I wasn't in this line of work. So, Yeah, no, I I talk about uh, the protection DNA. Some people just have that Mm -hmm. thing, and this is what they love. It's And and you say you love to do it. I think love is a good word because 100% sometimes it drives you crazy. You get a client calling you in the middle of the night because the dogs are barking. You know, and you know, why aren't you guys? The dogs are barking. You're like, well, they're dogs. But at the same time, why are the dogs barking? Now you got to call your guys. Like, hey, you guys on this? What's up? You know, you, you you get those fly balls, you know, to put it lightly. And uh, you're like, what in the world? But then there's other times, you know, when you're able to protect someone from something legitimate. You can be that that layer of protection or just putting together the strategy, you know, and then and then the client's back on the plane. And they maybe don't say anything to you, but you pulled it all off. <laughs> you know, it's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways solving the problems. And when you do deal with serious clients, and I had people come to me over the years and they've had problems. Yeah. And once you, even from, let's talk baseline training perspective, mm-hmm. you give them the knowledge and the confidence so they can walk away and say, okay, now I feel more secure. Yep. That's positive. 
And again, also providing the physical services and helping people out to say, okay, yeah, we have secured something. We've helped you solve this problem. You don't have to worry so much about X, Y, Z. Yeah, that's a, that's a big positive. But again, I always say to people that, and again, I'm a little bit of a whore as far as money is concerned, that costs. <laughs> we'll help you. We'll, we'll do work for you 150%. But understand. Yes. But again, there's a, it's, I think this is what a lot of guys are missing. It's like, this is, it, this is a business. Right. It's not a hobby. It's not a game. It's a business. And if you're right. doing it seriously, one, you need to make money. Two, you can end up in a lot of trouble if things are done wrong, which a lot of people don't realize. Right. And yes, you can help clients, but you have to remember if things go bad, there can be a lot of problems for everybody involved. Right. Absolutely. Boom. What's up, you guys? Here we are at the Executive Protection Essentials video series. This is kind of the only real world video series that I know of where we show executive protection operations out in the real world. This is a documentary style tutorial on how to execute EP ops uh, on a daily basis. We have multiple different venues, multiple different agents. We work from FBOs, we work venues, uh, we work in the vehicles and you'll get the education you need to operate at a high level. But the thing about all of it is what you need to know is this course will show you infield tactics me and my teams are using to render high quality executive protection deliverables. If you're thinking about getting in the game, this is perfect. If you've been in the game and you just are looking to see what I'm doing and want to learn some things from me, come on in. This course is going to give you a real world look at what it is like to be an executive protection agent on the day to day on the operation. So come in, we've made it affordable for everybody and take a look at what it is we're doing in order to level up your game. Boom. What would you say is your general area of operation? The main thing I do is more the low profile, low profile protection. And I can say that people that got issues, they have issues and we help them with their issues. There's a lot of investigations involved, a lot mm -hmm. of research involved. And a lot of it is, a lot of people don't like to spend money. A lot of clients don't like to spend money. So a lot of it is educating the clients, consulting with the clients to say, okay, this is how you can do this yourself. If it gets to a certain stage, then we can supply you with people if necessary. Right. But I think a lot of people these days, especially clients are more in need of guidance than anything else. Mm. And once they understand, and this is a positive for them, once they understand how security works, mm. they can understand if people are sending them idiots and they're being scammed. Because a lot of times it doesn't take much. They can know more than a lot of the people that's been sent to them as a parent, CP guys, et cetera. Absolutely. No, the client education thing is huge. I wish we could do that at a large scale, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, if by nothing else. I think that that's very important. And again, the client education usually means between them, okay, you have to build up a good relationship with them. And yep. that also means that they're going to appreciate you. And again, back to money, they'll make sure you're paid. They'll make sure you're looked after. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they value that when they understand that, you know, what we need to do is we need to make another cool movie like the bodyguard, but just have real stuff, <laughs> like, like actual education in there. <laughs> because they all, the bodyguard is the level of general education. that a lot Yeah, of that's the thing for most people. That's yeah, what right. people, right? 
That's the thing. Like you say, it's not the calls at two o'clock in the morning. What a problem! This is happening. That's happening. Can you help me? It's like try. <laughs> right. What would you say? Um, I know you've done some things in the kidnap and ransom space. What does that look like? You know, what does that look like on the EP side of things? What is a role of a protector in something like that? Um, what kind of things are you seeing out there, or have you seen? The thing is with the K and R side of things, to me, it's very intricate mm. because it takes, it brings in all the different skills that are involved in close protection investigations, et cetera. And especially these days, you have to be very, very careful legally. Mm -hmm. In a lot of places, this is where people get misguided. They think they can run around and rescue people, et cetera. You can't. You have to work within the laws. So you have to understand the laws. Um, we got drawn into this. I got drawn a lot into this when I was in South Florida because we was dealing a lot in Latin America, et cetera. So there's always stuff going on. So we used to get calls from people that had issues and some of our people had issues. Mm. Um, again, our main role in the KNR is training, prevention, client education, et cetera. Okay. Sadly, if things go wrong, all that most people can do, there's no rescues, is they have to pay. That's it. And the issue is if they don't have the money and you look at places like Mexico, everybody thinks the people that are getting kidnapped are going to be the high rollers, the top. Well, a lot of the people getting kidnapped are now the middle classes. Yep. And can people have this just got anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've had it where people have called us up and, okay, you want us to help you. But again, we're back to business. This is going to cut. You have to pay for us. Right. And in some of the ransoms, they're not that high. Twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Yep not really right for us to say to someone what well, is right for us but okay we want 10 grand down before we even start looking at things right and a lot of times people don't have the money mm -hmm. that's the trouble yeah i want to make sure people understand this point <clears throat> for all you guys that just want to go to mexico and <laughs> or want to go to some of these places because you're like oh it's fun and nothing happens the primary targeted demographic now are People that can, you know, if you can come up with 10, 15, 50, 40K, if someone put a gun to your head, uh, express kidnapping style and or your daughter yeah. who's there with her friends uh, head, if you can come up with that much money, you're a target because you can't afford professional protection and you mm -hmm. can't afford uh, K&R. You don't have insurance and you can't get a team out there. You're a perfect target. And that is who is being um, who is being victimized out there now. So it's not it's Latin America, it's the Caribbean, it's also parts of Africa. Mm -hmm. And again, this is something where the criminals are seeing this is easy money. 100%. <laughs> Very easy money. And again, the express stuff in parts of Latin America, you got people doing that, that's their full-time job. Just expressing people. And again, for most if they make 5 or 10 grand a week, that's huge money in some countries. Right? It's huge money in most countries. Right? But you go into a lot of Latin America, the Caribbean, that's big big bucks. Absolutely. Very well on that. Yep. Yeah. And so, law enforcement's not keeping up keeping up with it. And then, real quick definition: express kidnapping for everyone listening. Express kidnapping to me is more an, um, just exaggerated mugging. It's an exaggerated street crime. That's a great. Way. This is where the bad guys go out. They select a target. Usually, the target is wearing too much jewelry, driving a flash car. They're drawing attention to themselves. So again, personal security don't draw attention to yourselves. Right. Somebody's drawing attention to themselves. They get picked up off the street. They're taken to ATM machines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Empty the ATM machine. 
What's happening in a lot of expresses, if the kidnappers get hold of, open up the guy's girl's cell phone, then they're calling up the families trying to get a ransom. The ransoms are generally not that high, because but they want them quick. The express yeah. guys and girls are not going after the extended kidnappings. It's generally a couple of days maximum, that's it. Yeah, I know one case, again, Venezuela, some guy was kidnapped, British guy, and he was released after a day. Mm-hmm. They said his kidnappers were constantly on the phone trying to sell him on to other people for an extended kidnapping. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted him, I take it, because he was a foreigner, too much hassle, too much press. Mm-hmm. But um, that's your express. And the expresses have happened, happened in the US, happened in Europe, et cetera. They're happening in London. So yeah. express is just your extended mugging, which everybody needs to be aware of. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... It's yeah, that stuff's been on the rise, man. And they just want you to empty out everything. And you will. I mean, it's the, it's literally your most viable option. It's a business and you're about to get and you're getting taxed, you know? Yeah. Um, any any good indicators, any good, you know, picking these guys up in their hostile planning cycle. Anything come to mind about, you know, if you're a tourist, an American, an EP agent working a client and you start seeing certain things, are there any things that you can warn people about? Again, a lot of it is always keep a low profile, even down to making sure if you're going to, even if you speak Spanish, going into a lot of the Latin countries, if you're not speaking that local accent or local dialect, the locals will hear you and pick up on it. Yeah. So again, first of all, keep a low profile. And again, it's back down to counter surveillance. Yeah. You need to have a counter surveillance plan for hotels, residences when you're on the street. And yeah. you need to be constantly watching for counter surveillance. Right. How people, even if you're coming back, say, say you're coming back to a hotel or a residence, if you've got advance or even if you don't have advance, always circle around the area, not just the direct area, but a couple of streets out, check for vans, cars with multiple guys in them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to kidnap you. It's going to take two or three people in a vehicle. So that's what you're looking for. You see people hanging around, vans parked up with people in them, drivers in them for no reason. Just right. keep driving. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. That's what you need to watch. That's the best thing you can watch out for. But in yeah. your threat assessment phase, if you pick up a client has a targeted threat, that's mm-hmm. a whole new, it's a whole different that's a whole plan. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So express guys, and again, this can happen to anybody. You're watching out, make sure you're counter surveillance. And again, you're watching out for anybody suspicious, multiple guys, girls in vans, in cars, et cetera. Yeah, 100%. I think really you nailed it with the counter. The counter surveillance piece is just huge. Surveillance detection piece is just huge. Um, Just who is watching you? Who is watching you and what's their behavior? Are they in the the mob mind of what's going on? If you're at a club, are they in the club or are they watching paying attention yeah yeah yeah. who else is watching you know are you at the airport who doesn't have an alibi who's not waiting Mm -hmm. to get in their cab who's just kind of watching you know body language what's their body language saying why are they there but again this is something everybody when we talk about executive protection close protection Mm -hmm. everybody wants to do the sexy firearm stuff yeah when it it comes down to okay surveillance planning counter surveillance planning the stuff that's going to say actually keep you alive keep you safe people are it's not it's going to play play with guns, right? <laughs> no, it's it's and I try to I talk about this in my content. 80 to 90 percent of what you need to master are these soft skills, like understanding how to how to understanding body language, what's nervous body language, 
understanding mm-hmm. the baseline of social behavior and environment, looking to see if I was going to conduct surveillance on me, where would I be standing right now in this place, yeah. in this hotel? Where can I see from these rooms uh, outside? You know, and and these thinking this way and moving this way is really what. How can we keep a low profile? Are we going to rent the Mercedes, da 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 da, or can we just toss the client into minivans and then get mm-hmm. through here? You know, these are the things that actually keep you off the X, you know, so I'm glad you said that stuff. I tell people, people have been doing this. They say close protection, bodyguards, the second oldest profession, right? After prostitution. Right, right. (laughs) So this business has been around forever. So what we're doing today, people have been doing for thousands of years, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the only difference about what we're doing today and like 2,000 years ago is today we got technology, today we got right. firearms, today we got cars, but the basic tactics, street tactics, the spying tactics, the counter surveillance tactics are exactly the same. Yeah. I, I think you look at Sun Tzu, he wrote The Art of War in something like uh, 50 BC, I'm sure I'm wrong on that, 500 BC or something. Back in the day, as we would say. <laughs> and it's still relevant today, right? Right. Yeah. No, 100%. The tactics, the tactics, for being tracked and surveilled are very, very similar, you know? Um, and now, you know, the, the advantages is just, they can put tech in place, you know, like you were saying with the garden in the beginning, it's like, yeah, one of your vendors that makes mm-hmm. minimum wage could drop a camera in your, in, in wherever they want on property. And if you guys aren't doing your patrols correctly, aren't being diligent, that can sit there for who knows how long until they plan their attack, you know? And that's the game we play now, you know, not to mention, and then, I mean, while we're on surveillance, just a little bit more, I mean, just the, the digital layer of client behavior on social media, you know, stories, checking in at locations. It's so easy now to track people. And as EP agents, you just have to know you have a target on your head. You know, you just do. And, you know, a guy like me, well, you know, my arm says that I have money. <laughs> you know, it's like tattoos. You got to think these things through, you know, like. Uh, when you go to these locations and try to figure out how to get that urban camouflage, even in your advanced work, you know, see what people are wearing in the area and try and, you know, match that baseline if you want to stay off the radar. I had one guy come to me years ago and he was freaking out. He had a problem, but he was freaking out because the people that were threatening him knew everything about his house, knew where his wife was, etc. Yeah. And again, he was paranoid. So he's thinking, OK, they've hacked my phone. They've done this. They've done that. No, it was simple. They found his wife's Facebook account, which was completely open. <laughs> yep. Everything. That's why they knew. Absolutely. Something Life cycle, simple. all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the simple stuff. You take care of the small stuff, and hopefully the big stuff won't happen. But if you're not taking care of the small stuff, you're wide open. Absolutely. Uh, what would you, let's switch switch uh, lenses a little bit. What would you say about, and I know a lot of guys struggle with this in our industry, uh, social dynamics of executive protection. You know, if you're, if you had a new guy sit in front of you and he's going to be with a client, what would you say about, you know, how to be with a client, how to behave things you want to consider, uh, how do you want to come across, you know, representing our company or. I would say to people, and this is one of the biggest problems being able to deal with people. Oh yeah. I always tell my guys, be humble, be nice, be polite, but you have to be firm. There has to be boundaries, right? If the clients start to take their, start to push the boundaries a little bit too much and I'm being polite, then I tell my guy, okay, call me up, I'll speak to them. Because right. I've had it over the years and, okay, the client seemed to think, yes, we're paying this money. Okay, you're not paying the money for a bag boy. 
They're not right. going to be mopping the floor. They're not going to be doing it. They're there specifically for security. Right. But this is where I tell people there has to be a good relationship with the client. If the good, if there's no relationship there, you're going to have problems. I came across one guy on his CP courses, EP courses, was telling his guys, you've got to tell the client what to do. The client's got to do this, got to do that. You've got to take the client's passport. I was listening to this. You know what? I'd never use anybody from that guy's company. Oh, no. Obviously, never worked before. They're doing license licensing courses in out of one European country. But mm -hmm. clearly, he's never worked before. And it's like, to me, it's like you don't, the client's paying the bills. You can't go telling them what to do. You can advise them. Mm -hmm. But this is where you need to have those people skills to be able to sit down to somebody and say, okay, this is what we need to do. Right. And they have to respect you. As soon as they lose respect or as soon as there's a problem, it's done. Yeah. I and mean, you'll get ran over and they just, yeah. They That's lose respect it. and they'll find someone they respect because protection yeah. is not a game. Especially if they're yeah. paying all that money and they believe they need you. And then you get yeah. these situations where they don't believe they need you, but they're being forced to have you. That's a whole other kind of, kind of ball of wax. That's the type of stuff I don't usually deal with, but I've dealt with some stuff like that over the years. Right. And that's a nightmare. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. I've heard plenty of horror stories about that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of horror stories. I, I'm the same way. When I was coming up in the game, you got to take everything. But the second you yeah. can start picking, it's a beautiful day. You know, when yeah. it's, you can court these clients and be like, you know what? I I, I, I agree. Let's roll. I don't want to deal with that. You know, and you can kind of, it's like. One thing, I, the stories that's come up, when I got a few stories on this from other guys, luckily, where clients have tried to lose them. Oh, and yeah. They to me, oh, why would a client want to lose the bodyguard? Well, the client, the, the, the guy's been stuck with, Say one example comes to mind, a teenage girl that wants to go out and party and her daddy says no. Right. And I remember one guy in London had such a job, a good friend of mine in the day, and he was pulling his hair out because this girl was running away, trying to do this, trying to do that. And the father's like, where is she? He's like, I'm trying to find her. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. She's doing everything possible to evade him with the help of the drivers. Yep. So yep. it's like. That's not it, weird. <laughs> I tell people this business is that diverse that you you have to have a very open mind when you're dealing with people. Right. Because you're dealing with people and dealing with people problems. Right. And a lot of their stuff can be weird and wonderful. Weird and wonderful. And they're high authority people. They can make things happen, have what yeah. they want, create whole ecosystems, <laughs> you know. Um yeah. it's very interesting moving through these different worlds. But I think, you know, what you said was really good which is the humility piece is so important when dealing with the client and you have to, because they have to look at you as competent as a competent professional. And if that goes away, you've lost it. You've lost, yeah. you have to maintain that and you're going to make mistakes from time to time. You, that humility really keeps things. Um, and you're, and you're going to have to tell them things they don't want to hear probably from time, generally from time to time. And when they know that you're professional first mm -hmm. and humble, I think that really helps. We had one job in Haiti. I had one job in Haiti a few years ago now. And the issue, the reason I went with the clients is the clients had already had an argument with the, the client they were dealing with in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And the company there said, okay, we'll provide you with security. And the clients come to me because they didn't, from the start, trust this company's security. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we had issues. I'll cut this story short. As soon as we walked out of the airport in Port-au-Prince, you had some white guy there with our names on a sign waiting for us. <laughs> and it's like, Not one of the 
<laughs> if you Googled his name, he'll show up as some top research guy for communications, right? Mm-hmm. And this idiot was stood there with all the names on a piece of paper. And this is going back quite a while, but kidnappings were still high then. Yeah. And that was enough for the client to look and say, he was he was bought. You know what I mean? He was like, thank God you're here. Yeah. And we had other issues on that trip. And within the first couple of hours, that company screwed up that much. The client was like, but again, this is where you have to have that rapport. And again, a little bit of education to the client, make them aware of when there are issues, make them aware of if how to deal with things if things go wrong. Right. Point out where there are problems. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is being honest. Mm-hmm. If well, from a management point of view, if things are falling apart or you have to deal with stuff, you don't want the clients to know, but you need right. to be honest with them. Right. Make sure everything's on track. But hey, this business is pretty simple, but it's complicated. Right. Absolutely. It can be very, very complicated. Absolutely. It's almost like the security portion is simple, but the human aspect is yeah. is fluid. <laughs> you know. Then when you come into the management point of view, if you've got guys working for you right. and it's, you're dealing with everybody's problems, not just the client's problems, because how many guys, you know what, even though they don't think they're pains in the ass, they're pains in the ass. hundred percent. The, uh, the Royal court, I like to call them the entourage the yeah. The, the, you yeah. Know. And it's all you, man. When you're the guy on the ground, you'll find mm-hmm. the, you're the fixer in most cases, you know, yeah. so doing that is huge. It's huge. Uh, and then you you spoke about, you know, and I, I wanted to ex, uh, illuminate this for sure, too. You spoke about, you know, telling the client what to do and these different things. And I've worked with some agency guys that do protection inside of agencies. And I'm like, you know, one of the first things I got to tell them is this is private security. You know, you'll be able to render as much or as little security as the client wants you to. This is yeah. we're, we're seatbelt security. You want me to mm-hmm. give me my left, right lateral limits? And I'll secure it. But if you want to leave the house, you know, uh, late at night and you don't want coverage, you know, it's this, that's your choice, you know? So that's huge. You know, you, you want me to do this. You don't want me to do that. As long as you don't let them push you into like washing the boat during the day or anything like that, (laughs) anything like that, you got to understand your limitations in this game. You are not in charge. (laughs) You know, this is what, again, people don't understand. It's a business. You're hired help. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I, I put something online recently that upset a few people. I said, you're domestic help. If you, a lot of people, I said, the guys, if you want to go and start looking for work, look at the domestic staff agencies. Mm-hmm. Because yes, nannies, gardeners, drivers, housekeepers, and security. So that's, mm-hmm. if you're looking for work, look in that area. And again, to work in those areas, you need to make sure you're polite, et cetera. You're up to speed on your etiquette. And again, you have to be like that anyway. You have to be, how can I put it? You have to have the people skills. 100%. And I know one guy comes to mind, even as far as hygiene. (laughs) You have to make sure you brush your teeth, you shower. I remember one guy I worked with, he used to stink, but it was residential. The the boss liked him, no worries. Yeah, he could get away with it. But again, it's like, I got too many stories. But again, simple stuff like hygiene, if you're dealing with people, if you're dealing with clients, okay, you have to make sure that's up to speed. 100%. That's something that you have to take into serious consideration. Mm -hmm. But um, no, being able to deal with the client and making sure there's a good rapport with the client. And again, I'm generally pretty casual with clients Mm -hmm. until there's a problem. 
Right. If there's an issue, then okay, listen to me. But up until that point, go where you want, do what you want. We're there. If there's a problem, then listen to us. Right. Then I'll, I'll, I'll we're not going to keep you. We're not going to be telling you you must do this, you must do that. So you will fit in with your lifestyle. Exactly. And to do that, you need people that can actually fit in with that person's lifestyle, which is a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you have to find the right people. This, what you just said, I think is is one of the major keys that I lean on in my business. Is look, we're not here to change. We're not here to change your life and make that your life the focus of your life security. We're here yeah. to support and secure your daily operations and hopefully optimize your proficiency and what you need to get done. You can focus mm -hmm. on your work while we drive you to work. You can focus on, yeah. you know, knowing you'll get from A to B safely and we'll focus outward on everything else. And that, I think, tends to be a winning formula for all you guys getting in this business. Awesome. What would you say about the differences? This is one I've been wanting to ask you that you've and you've worked in both parts of the industry. So major differences with overseas work and, and U.S. work. What would you say about those industries? And things the main like thing is. I would say in the US, everybody expects firearms. Oh, yeah. Everything's, it's a gun business. It's gun games. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the trouble, even with a lot of clients. We've had it in other places. Somebody I know in Mexico, they were the one of my guys in Mexico, mm -hmm. um, security manager for a big company there. And he says, whenever the American clients come in, the issue is they want our guys to have guns. Yep. And generally, guns are very restricted in Mexico unless you're a narco, right? And they're like, okay, we have to tell the client, these guys, it's like, okay, we don't want guns. Guns can get us into, into trouble with the police and get us into trouble with the narcos. We're not into getting into shootouts. We just want to make sure you're safe. If there's a problem, get you the hell out of there. That's it. Right. But I think the big difference between the US and Europe um, is the firearms issue. Apart from that, it's generally the same. Same operation. Okay, good to go. Here in Europe, you can move... I can't, but the thing is with the U.S., the U.S. U.S. is so big and people don't realize, people from outside the U.S. don't realize each state has different rules and regulations. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas in Europe, it, to some extent, firearms are very, very restricted, but each country has different rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. You have so much different languages, et cetera, different culture. But again, if you speak English, again, if you're polite, if you're well-mannered, if you've got a little bit of common sense, you can, it, it's, it's easy yeah. to operate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know they want to standardize. Uh, well, there are a lot in our industry. You already know where I'm going with this. They want to standardize yeah. our industry and what we do and our certification process here in the States. You guys have experienced that overseas. Any feedback, any thoughts on that? The SIA has been a disaster in the UK and yeah. the standards that low, it's, it's horrendous. As yeah. I said, I've just thrown a couple of videos out about this. It's like, they're giving away the courses now to people who's been unemployed for too long. No disrespect to somebody trying to work, right. but that's the standard you're dealing with. The trouble is with standardization of the close protection business. It's that diverse. Mm -hmm. You cannot, and I think a lot of the people that's pushing for this are people from military and police backgrounds. Right? The people that will be making the rules are from military and police backgrounds. That's right. got nothing to do with the commercial business. Mm. So again, you can't come in and standardize and say, okay, it must be done this way. It must be done that way because the business is so diverse. Right. Every client is different. Every environment is different. Hmm. It's like I said something earlier. This is the close protection business. Bodyguard business is the second oldest profession, right? Yeah. What's the first? 
Prostitution. Uh, hookers. Yeah, <laughs> prostitution said properly. Are you going to go in and say, let's standardize prostitution? You can only do this. You can only do that. You can only, it's the same. <laughs> you understand? This is interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting take on it. I like it. But this is, you're dealing with the people business and it's just, okay, you, you're working as an individual. You're working as a team. Right. Okay, how you do residential, how you do your counter surveillance, how you do this. Everything's different. It depends where you are. Yeah. If you're somebody, if you've been trained to operate in UK, okay, is that qualification going to be relevant if now you have to go to Mexico? Right. Completely different environment. Completely right. di different way of doing things. And there's different client demographics every 10 minutes. You got your big, you got your crypto millionaires, your green, your, your green, you know, the 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 weed guys that are popping up. You got your faith-based guys, you got your corporate guys. You got, there's yeah. just so many different um client demographics we're dealing with you got your trans valuables and armor trans yeah just always there's there's different things going on all the time i guess what i would like to see is some level of competence that can be judged that would allow us some of the liberties that law enforcement officers get um with regards to gear and just you know being taken seriously um and so if there was some level of training that an individual could acquire, like a, maybe even like an academy or something that would say, OK, sure, sure. we at least know they're proficient with driving, medical, firearms, mission planning um, and maybe some 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 social dynamics that could help someone be legitimately looked at as a protector. I think that'd be positive. I think it's having that as a base level. Right. And this is where I think the SIA tried this in UK, but didn't work. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I think it's looking at, mate, they've only brought in this year after 13 years uh, <laughs> where people have to understand conflict resolution. It took them yeah. 13 years to work that out. Ugh, right? that should be, that's base curriculum. Um, Social dynamics. Yeah. De-escalation. Basic stuff. <laughs> and I said somebody about this a while back. And I said, well, why are you teaching it? He said, oh, well, CP guys don't get involved in fights. <laughs> okay maybe in your world maybe yeah, yeah i don't know what kind of work you've been doing buddy yeah but, um doing. this is where it's like yeah having a good base level but again a good base level in driving first aid yeah that would make sense but again people need to understand that is the basics right. after that you need to go on and do other things and i tell people as far as training go out and try a few different schools yeah because what works as I said, it's so diverse. So you pick up a little bit here, you pick up a little bit there, you mm -hmm. take that knowledge back and then you can work out what works for you and works for your clients. Right. Or even you've been taught something, you've seen something somewhere. Okay. Maybe sometime in the future, that's going to come in and that's, that's going to be of use to you. So this is where you want to bring in as much knowledge as possible. Right. And I think the issue is with licensing, people are doing these baseline courses and okay, I got a license. I know everything. And now I'm good. And now, <laughs> and that that's whole it. I, I know everything. I'm perfect. It's right. like, okay, cool. As yeah. long as you believe it, no worries. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Hopefully, reality never tests you, which is the other scary thing about this industry, which yeah. is you might not get tested for years, you know, and, and people think that's a sign of competence. And it's like, absolutely not. You just may have not been tested for years. You just may have not been tested. And if you're not testing yourself in training, you have no idea what you're capable of, you know? One of my guys said this recently. I was talking to Dionysus in Greece, and we was talking about a few things. And he said, 
Okay, the thing is, in most security managers, nothing ever happens. When right. it happens, they lose their job. <laughs> and it was a good it. And that's it. So there's a big difference, I think, and this is what people don't realize. The man guarding security, which is just there to tick a box for insurance, mm-hmm. and those people, I class us as those people that are actually providing protection. Right. Because we're protecting things that cannot be insured. People's lives, valuable assets that are lost, that are gone. So there's a different world. Mm-hmm. And the trouble is a lot of people, I think this is where the security guard industry has come into the executive protection, close protection business and trying to standardize everything. Okay, you can have the security guard business at, at a standard, at a certain standard. But as far as the EP world, the close protection world, it's I would say it's going to be impossible to standardize because it's that diverse. Yeah. That's and if we're talking... If we're talking now about skill sets, okay, who would have thought how many years ago we're going to have to think about drone defense? Absolutely. In the future, we're going to be near future, we think about robots, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So again, this is a constantly evolving business. And if you're serious about this business, you have to be constantly evolving with it. Having a basic standardization, yeah, that makes sense. Like a police academy in Mm. US, yes, that makes sense. But that is a basic standard. 100%. And we get back to, this is a lifestyle, okay? (laughs) This is, you got to continue growing and learning. No, I love it, man. What would you, any advice for new guys looking at the game that are wanting to get in right now? This is a a hot question they're always asking me. I would say be very, you need to get, as far as training is concerned, you have to get your local licenses. Before you look at all the sexy stuff, Get right. your local licenses because they'll keep you out of trouble. You need to get the local licenses. Yeah. Then look at the areas you want to work in and get training from people that's actually got experience in those areas. If you want to be working, I would say the international stuff, that'll come in time. You don't want to jump straight into the international work. But if you're working, if you want to work, work corporate, go get some training with people that do corporate. If you want to do celebrity, go get some training for people that's done the celebrity. And again, also pick up on your surveillance stuff, your first aid stuff, your driving, et cetera, as you go along. Yeah. But again, I would say, and again, people ask me, oh, how do I get a job? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to start, one, get the experience, get the training, et cetera. Experience. I tell people, even doing bouncer work, that's good experience. Some of the best training in the industry, <laughs> in my opinion, real security training. Go be a bouncer. You're dealing with problems. You're dealing yep. with and you can meet people. But for some reason, a lot of people in the close protection corporate world look down on nightclub work, et cetera. Right. You're learning a lot on a daily basis, nightly basis. Accelerated rate. <laughs> when yes. you're dealing with drunk people, you're you're having to de-escalate frequently. You're having to think about your 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 rules of engagements and policies mm-hmm. and procedures. You get in a fight in the parking lot, that's on you, buddy. You know what I mean? Like you've got to really think things through and manage. Make sure it's an excellent place to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, hotel security. Why are you going to be working in those environments? You learn a little bit about etiquette, etc. Um, also, black tie events, etc. So, if you can get directly into the CP business, is look at other areas you're going to be working in where mm-hmm. you can learn and also possibly meet clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh, what I did. <laughs> yeah, it's, you have to start somewhere. It makes me laugh. A lot of the I've come across people, security management people. They think, okay. What, you're just going to walk into that position? Obviously, they did because they might. I don't know how the hell a lot of these people got their jobs, but 
It's the work you put in when you're young. I'm old now. It makes sense. Uh, as I said, it's not doing a lot of the jobs aren't going to be the most glamorous jobs. Right. But the jobs where you can possibly get your hands dirty are the ones you're going to learn the most from. Hands down. And I, I yeah. think what you're saying is so good. I mean, I built my career by the grace of God from bouncing both times in, in California. I got pulled from a club, from a, a, a bar. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I went to Florida and got pulled from, you know, one of the nightclubs into details into the game. And it came down to social dynamics and professionalism, regardless of the environment. Um, And you learn so much. And then you get on details with guys that are afraid to get their hands dirty. And you have this education, you know, you you know how to de-escalate you know how if you have to put your hands on someone you know how to sell it so it doesn't look horrible on camera you know you understand yeah, like to control your emotions while you're doing this you know what I mean like you you learn all these really important things you know it's not about crushing yeah. the person it's about achieving the mission safely get them to a safe place DS call the cops do whatever you gotta do and and be a professional regardless of the stressors you know it's it's huge stuff and 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 I respect the guys that that come from that. That and the tour I, world is another good place to learn. Go ahead. I had used to have guys call me when I was in London. In London, I had my hands fingers into too many pies, right? Mm-hmm. And guys call me up. We need somebody for a nightclub, a bar, etc. Do you have anybody? No. I, yes. No. Whatever. And I remember calling up some CP guys I knew that mm-hmm. only done CP. So I yeah. don't know how they, right? Yeah. <laughs> they got the they Their mother must have been feeding them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember calling these guys up saying, okay, I got some work. Do you want to do a night's work, et cetera? No, no, we're not doing it. Why not? It's door work. Yeah, we could get hurt. Okay. If I said I got a high-risk job somewhere doing CP work, you'd wonder, yeah, 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 we'll do it. Okay, but you're afraid to stand in a bar. Right. Right? You're, stand, you're afraid to stand on the door of a bar and possibly get involved in a scuffle. No, I remember one guy said, I'm not going to get, I don't want to get glanced. Okay, but if you go to, okay, let's say we go to somewhere in Africa, you're dealing with people with machetes. They're not going to glass you, they'll chop you up. Right, right, so right. If you're afraid to do one, you're afraid to do the other in my books. That's it. Exactly. That's it's just that at one, you will be probably tested, and the other one, you probably get a free ride. You, know, you might get a free ride, and everyone knows it. But hey. And I think this is the thing there's too many people in the business that's had that free ride. Yep. As we said, they've never been tested. Yep. And if they did get tested, they're going to, well, if they don't start crying to start with, they're going to fall flat on their face. That's it, right? Yeah. And then they I, just. I won't mention names. I, I, I could start mentioning people, but I'll be nice. <laughs> no, I love this. This is so good. And I agree 100%. And two, also, what you said that was great was, you know, get training in the area of the industry you want to be involved in. It serves multiple purposes. You get to know those trainers in the environment, you get to know the other people at your class, you're networking. Um, and then you have a more dynamic, aimed resume at what it is you want. You can say, I want to work these types of clients when you talk to these companies, because this is the investment I've made in my training to go in this direction. Um, and and you can get into this industry and make decent money. You know, guys are going to, to college for years and going years in debt to have careers. And you can you can drop a few thousand dollars on a few different courses and you can start getting in the game. And I, I think, too... There's a lot to be said for becoming really a private security, a student of that, a student of the private security game. Because when when I was coming up and even still, man, I, sometimes I rather have a school or a church or a venue where I don't have to worry about a specific client. You know, sometimes it's nice to secure an environment or secure a movement um, where you're not in the mm. car 
you know, uh, playing Russian roulette with with social dynamics and client questions and things. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's like, hey, I, I'm just hanging with the boys. We're going to make sure yeah. this gets to where it's getting safe and we're good. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and and that stuff's nice. But I think becoming a student of the game is, is really important. Earning your stripes is extremely important. And there's networking that happens all along the way of that ladder that you end up building. I think you're really your career off of. It's about experience. And the only way you're going to get the experience is to go out and get it. Mm-hmm. And even like you're saying about the training, it's like make sure that the people that's training you has, actually have the experience. They're not just some of these guys that, okay, they take the box to become an instructor. Right. Or like these people. The, the, you know, retired da 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 that started a school however many years ago. <laughs> and they're teaching you what they were doing in the 80s, man. Yeah. yeah. So again, it's make sure the people you're training with actually right. understand what they're training you to do. Right. It's not just, okay, they've done some PSD stuff in Iraq and Afghan, no disrespect. Right. Now they're trying to teach CPEP for people working in US and Europe. Completely right. different board. Completely different. No, I love so it. If you get the training, check out the people who you're training with and get the training from people that's going to work for you and make sure they have the experience to be able to teach right. you. Make and sure again, it, it's all experience based. Once you got the licenses, it's the starting point. Mm-hmm. Now you can start learning. Go out, get your hands dirty, do what you got to do, start putting money in your bank and working your way up the chain. That's it. That's it. That's the path. Uh, NGOs and private security applications in those, you know, how are you seeing? Are you seeing anything in that space? I've been thinking about getting involved in that world. I've got some requests and different evacuations and different things. Um, that I've been able to join forces with others on, but the application of private security in that world, are you seeing things? Any comments yeah. on that? NGOs are, they're a hot topic. I've dealt with quite a few NGOs over the years. Mm. Um, they need security. Right. The trouble is um, there's a clash of cultures. Mm. Okay. Because a lot of the NGO people uh, see private security as a threat. They're thinking mercenary, they're thinking cop, they're thinking this, they're thinking the hooligans. Right. Where you got, let me put this in simple terms, you got the the good guys, people that see they're good guys, and then you got us. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're seeing liability. And they and- want to help people and they see us us wanting to break people. Right. And again, this is where down to the client on the, the communications true. with the client saying, look, you need security, we can work with you, we can help you help protect your people, et cetera, et cetera. It's a problem. We can help extractions, et cetera. But again, I think the issue with the NGOs is the culture clash between security. Mm-hmm. And this is where a lot of a lot of the stuff the NGOs do, they don't want too many people to know about it because it could get them into trouble. Everything the people I've dealt with is legal, mm-hmm. but it's sensitive topics. Right. So Wait. again, there has to be the confidentiality and they don't want... How can I put it? The ex-cops turning up that still thinks they're cops, or worse, even worse, the security yeah. guys that think they're cops, right, right, coming up, sticking their nose in and causing too many problems. Right. So again, the NGOs, yes, their people need training, their people need security, because a lot of them are going into very shady places, very hairy places, doing good things. Right. Um, but the main issue with the NGOs is the communications. It's there has to be trust there. And I think that's where you have to build the trust up with these people to start with. Say, look, we're on your side. We're not going to cause you problems. I love that. 
and it, and it really is ultra similar similar to client interactions, social dynamics, gaining cultural equity there, making sure you're doing security in a way that helps the client's mission, not hurts the client's mission. Yeah. Staying in your lane. <laughs> you know, This is the thing. What a lot of people wouldn't get is a lot of these NGOs, the security people cannot have firearms. Right. It's a big no firearms thing. Why? Because they don't want to be seen if they're going into, let's say, areas where there's conflict of supporting one side or the other. Right. And this is where if you're caught carrying a pistol, it's quite easy for somebody to say one of the locals to say, okay, you're working for whoever, you're working for whoever. So again, it's this is where it has to be, it's more of a brain job than a muscle job. Yep. It, it, again, it's back down to understanding where you're going, understanding the people, understanding the culture, mm-hmm. and it's all for de-escalation and avoiding the problems. Absolutely. Because I've had people say, I tell people now, I've written about this, Okay, say you're in Mexico, you got a nine mil on you, right? You drive into a narco roadblock. How many guns have they got? What good is that nine mil? That gun's gonna get you killed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're... If you're stopped by the cops and you don't have a permit for that gun, and I know people say, oh, we go to Mexico, we carry well, best of luck to you. You're stopped by the cops, you got a legal firearm, you're going to jail unless you can produce big money very, very quickly. Big money. Yeah. And I know most security guys aren't gonna be carrying that type of cash to buy their way out of jail. That's it. Right. It's a liability. So, um, no, 100%. No, it's good to know. That's uh, definitely a realm starting to dip into a lot more. So it's just good to understand kind of the dynamics around that. You posted a video the other day and it had consisted of, we'll put it in the podcast, close protection drills. Some oh. of the uh, traditional, you know, <laughs> drills and then... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah laid out a revelation in this video I thought was amazing. Um, can you talk about some of that stuff? You know, what guys are training versus what you were seeing when you were doing those pressure tests and kind of the uh, conclusion you guys arrived at in that video. That video is quite a few years old. We've done that years ago. And again, all it is is airsoft. So the guys, we come off paintball because that was hurting too much. So I'm all for when we're, doing, when we're training for people to feel a little bit of pain. Yes. That way they remember things. Oh, pain retains. (laughs) Pain retains, as we say in the Marine Corps. Pain retains. This is where if, let's tell you, in the States, when we was doing the courses there, we used to get the guys, okay, they're doing their sexy CP drills, jumping in front of the client. And I have people all all the time saying, oh, we jump in front of the client, take a bullet. Okay, their mindset changes when they start getting hit by little BBs. Oh, yeah. Because they hurt. <clears throat> and you see then people don't want to jump in front of the client because they get stung by BBs. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit of training to say, okay, if you're worried about being shot by a BB gun, would you want to jump in front of a client and get shot by, by a real gun? Yeah. The answer is <laughs> This is where a lot of people forget as well. If you're a bad guy, you've got to always look at things from the bad guy's perspective. 100%. You've got a client with two, bad, with, with, with two BGs, right? Your target's got two bodyguards. Who's yeah. the first people you're going to kill? Bodyguard. The bodyguard. Okay, 100%. But this is where everybody, a lot of the training scenarios is geared towards the bad guy going for the client, not the bad guy killing the bodyguards first. Yep. All right? Mm-hmm. I tell people, if I was a bad guy, I'm looking at a CP detail. Okay, the first thing I'd be thinking these days, can I roofie them? Can I drug their drinks? Can I drug their food? Even spike their drinks with laxative. Mm-hmm. They, they're not going to be able to protect the client if they're stuck on the toilet, right? 
Right. Now the client has no protection. But back to that drill, yeah, that we done that to show people that a lot of these CP drills are not going to work. Right. If you're not doing the counter surveillance, if you're not aware of what's going on around you, if you're not dominating the area around the client, mm -hmm. if you think you're going to deal with something on the street, your brain is going to go from comfort mode to all of a sudden, okay, you're going to have to deal with a hostile situation. By the time you realize what's happening, you're dead. Right. So <clears throat> that is that we've done that video, as I said, to just show people, okay, a lot of this stuff being taught is not going to work if this is all you're being taught. Right. You have to put this in conjunction with, I use protective surveillance a lot, but you're going to have to put this in conjunction with your counter surveillance and situational awareness. Yeah. If you're not doing the counter surveillance, if you're not aware of what's going on around you, you're wasting your time. You're just a victim. Uh, absolutely. And that's like when you're naked, like when you will be in dangerous situations, but I mean, there's just so many layers before the physical stuff, you know, it's like mission planning. Like, have you planned this event to, to get through it the safest way possible? Are you able mm -hmm. to use the back entrances? Are you able to stay away from the public? Are you, and then, you know, you get to like, how am I moving with this client and things like this? And it's like, I did feel like there was a little more success once the agent stopped uh, trying to protect the client initially and actually just attack the attacker. Yeah. Take out the threat. Yeah. Just attack the attacker. Deal with it. This threat. is where we years ago, okay, push the client if possible, get them out of the way. And I've had people say, oh, but you want to jump in, you want to protect the client. If you, you're not going to have the time. Right. If you're trying to draw a weapon, et cetera, you're not going to have the time. You're drawn on a so drop. Again, <laughs> a lot of, again, yeah, I have some training. That happens a lot in training, right? I've seen guns flying all over the place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is it. You're not going to have the time to do a lot of these sexy drills. Right. So again, get the client out of the way. But what we teach is the nearest person to the threat deals with the threat. Yep. And you have to deal with that threat first because that threat can kill you. If right. you're thinking about, I'm going to do this, do this sexy drill, this fancy drill, everybody's going to end up dead. If there's a threat, if there's a problem, armed, unarmed, the nearest person that threat will deal with that threat. If we're working with another person, that the second guy, a second CP guy, will move the client to, to a safe area. That's it. But that's whoever's nearest the threat, deal with the threat. No sexy drills. If possible, push the client out of the way. Client's briefed. If there's a problem, run. Get yeah. to a safe area. That's <laughs> it. One of the best yeah. martial arts in the world. Faster than run. you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Run. Moving targets are harder to hit than stationary targets. So move. That's yeah. it. No, I love that stuff, man. Bring in some. Uh, and I, I was Mike Pannone, who's a very well-known trainer over here. He said, I was Mike Pannone or it was Craig Douglas. Both of them are, are, are legends in our game. But they said, if it can't be tested at speed or close to speed and you can't get repeatable results, don't put your, don't trust your life to it. Yeah, 100% range katas that we do you know close protection katas that we do on the listen if you and you were you were pressure testing these things if it can't be tested at dang near speed and you can't get repeatable results don't trust your life to it keep playing with that equation until you can find something you can depend on this is where i tell people ask and again clients students etc ask if you think something doesn't make sense ask yeah if you're, if you're doing a drill test it because I see a lot of weird and wonderful things people are doing. It just doesn't make sense. Right. And it's yeah, like it's, martial arts, martial arts are all good training. I'm not going to bash martial arts in general, but it's like 
You see the 20 guys attacking the one martial arts expert that's flipping them all over the place, the Aikido guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's rehearsed. Right. So we can come up with a rehearsed video, a choreographed video, and it will look super sexy, right? Right. Okay, yeah. if we don't rehearse it, it all falls apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a big difference, and I think this is one for guys going to training schools. Always question what you've been taught. Always question right. the instructors. If they cannot give you an answer, then there's a problem. Yeah, and that's, I mean... I mean, that's one of the reasons I started my school is because I just remember kind of going around the training circuit and being like so much respect to a lot of the instructors. But I just remember kind of being like, man, when's the last time this guy, you know, has been on really on out in the field? Because what is we're talking about is, you know, the relevance and um, has this person done this, you know, and I, and I just have been real diligent to make sure I have instructors that are doing it, have done it literally took a break from work to come out and teach and go back to work, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. we want that fresh experience, man. It's so important to make sure we have integrity with what we're teaching, <laughs> you know, hundred percent, hundred percent favorites, favorite subject to teach for you. I'm into cameras. I like surveillance Okay, these days. Yeah. Not just counter surveillance, but also surveillance because it's to me it's double it's double sided. And there's a lot of uh you get on the street with that these days and it's it's challenging. It's good to teach. Yeah. That's I have a lot of people we take people on the street when we're doing this stuff. So again, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And again, for me, once you're learning, once you're teaching people surveillance and they're watching and following the target, again, it's all double sided. All of it. They should understand then that somebody could do that to them. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize how easy it is. The you're unaware target. You can follow them around all day. Now we're throwing in the cameras and everything else. It's it's it makes it opens people's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. The best way I think to learn. Well, really, I mean, for us, I mean, even in mission planning, always think like the enemy. Period. But the best way to learn uh, surveillance detection is to try to execute surveillance, <laughs> you know, because then you just know what to look for. When you pull a cleaning move, you know what that person, you know the choice point they're going to have to hit. Like, do I try to sell this and keep just walking straight or do I redirect or you look at them and they, <laughs> you know, because they, they're dealing with that. And body language, flinch. Oh, yep, 100%. Yeah. I jammed a guy Every up. Time. I jammed a guy up a few weeks ago, man, that followed me from a gas station to the shooting range. I think, you know, just what you said, he looked at me and he was like, oh, cool guy, cool tattoos, cool car, probably going to the, had some of my shooting range stuff on because I was going to go to a a, go compete. And I think he was just like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow this guy to the range. I'm going to break into his car and I'm going to take his stuff, (laughs) take whatever he doesn't have with him. So I'm getting to the range and I, and I noticed this car is still behind me and I'm like, no, you know, and then your ego wants to kick in, like this guy following me, you know. And then I'm like, but I mean, he is following you. So um, I, I pull into the range, he pulls in, and I was like, Well, let's find out. So I just did a little cleaning move and took a lap around the island, and he kind of just did exactly what I figured he would do. Boom, pulled nose into a parking spot, nearest parking spot, and started looking down, looking down, and I Came back around the island. And I stopped right behind him and I just stared at him in his, in his window. And you see him, you see the nervous behavior. And if you don't recognize that, you know, and I and I could just feel it. We both and we locked eyes for a second. And then I pulled away, pulled over to my buddies and, and told him what was happening. And he pulled right out and beat feet, man. Um, but 
you know, that's the type of stuff. And, and what kept me safe, you know, situational awareness and a little bit of competence as to understanding what someone would be doing if they were following me and, and what I would be doing if I was following me and what it would look like, <laughs> you know. It's another thing. I think people look down on it when, when we say being streetwise. Right. Especially right. the corporate people because they're too busy being corporate. They don't want to talk right. about street stuff. Right? Right. But understand being streetwise and understanding how you can be targeted, understanding how to deal with somebody and some people de-escalates. It said some people, if you I got other stories about this, if you front some people, especially it sounds like the person you're dealing with, if you look at them and say, okay, you want a problem? And then yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now you've just reversed things back on them and they think, uh oh, I'm going home. I just wanna I, I, I don't want a problem. Looking for an easy target. Go somewhere else. Right. And the only way you're gonna learn that stuff is to go and do it. You have to get the experience. You have to understand how this stuff works. You have to understand how these people think. Hundred percent. What's the hardest? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say the only way to do it is to go out and do it. Yeah. And you're not gonna learn this type of stuff doing Udemy courses. You're going to have to go out and actually go and work. Yeah. Right. And again, it all brings money in. But again, doing the bar work, the club work, mm -hmm. the hotel work, the event work. Again, you're putting money in your bank and you're getting the relevant experience and the skills that further down the line you're going to be using. That's it. And, and you're becoming a legitimate, you're becoming a legitimate protection professional. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's not something you learned on YouTube. It's you're actually becoming the thing, you know, through experience. Mm -hmm. No quick fix. What would you say about the uh, hardest lesson you've learned in the field? Dealing with the media. Oh, really? Really. And the you put out there, et cetera. We got hammered years ago in Mexico. Um, I've had a few media issues over the years. Okay. And that cost us a lot of money caused mm -hmm. us, we avoided the problems. Mm -hmm. But as I said, all aspects of the business, and that's one thing I never dealt with because it was never going to happen to me. And if you Google us, we were accused of torturing. I'm the only tourist that's ever been accused of torturing Mexican police. Right? Oh, so that's a good thing this, this is exotic. This is interesting. So, torturing Mexican. If, if you Google us, there's still some stuff out there. Yeah. But again, it was all BS. It was all a media spin. Yeah, but that cost us a lot of money, caused us a lot of problems. Wow. So since then, I worked out. Oh, I learned how to deal with the media, and since then, we've had other problems in other places, um, media related, and just how to deal with the media and say, make sure you've got somebody you can call to give you a side of the story right. and understand what they want, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, but that is another aspect of the business, especially these days. I think it's very important, mm -hmm. even down to what we're doing now. Can you communicate? Can you put your message out? online we're doing this to promote our businesses we're doing this to put, put knowledge out there to people yeah. but again you have to understand that part of the business especially if you're in management Absolutely. especially no that's good stuff man because they you 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 upset the media you you upset the paparazzi one they know their rights they know their moves they know what they can uh, do and two they're social engineers they will socially engineer a story <laughs> they, they're, yeah. they, they this is what they do it's like a superpower you know, and you're just a handshake guy, you know, and they're <laughs> constructing this whole thing behind the scenes. And now mm -hmm. your client, your whole world takes on a different shade if you don't know how to counter that or or mm -hmm. strike before they strike and then things like that. It's interesting. It's making sure you got all your ducks in a row. Your story is good. 
Mm-hmm. And this comes down to none of your people's doing anything stupid. Right. And it's not giving them the opening. It's, and if there is an approach, okay, how do you deal with the media? Can you properly deal with them? Do you have a, a, a counter story? Right. Do you have something to go in there and say, okay, we got some defense against this? Right. Because our clients in Mexico didn't want us to say anything. And the whole thing went viral. Oh, yeah. This is a long time ago now, 2008. Mm-hmm. And we were everywhere. Wow. And again, it's like at the time, we're just sitting there taking it, taking it, taking it. Sometimes you just got to take the hits, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll take it. No worries. But after that, I was like, okay, this is something I don't know anything about, but I need to learn about it now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let's build another angle. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff, man. Good considerations. Um, Especially now when everything's recorded all the time everywhere. You got to be a pro. You got to understand. You got to write the police report before you get in, before you do. 100%. 100%. This is where even a lot of guys don't understand police reports. Yeah. Understanding how to word a police report and write a police report and how to deal with the police is essential wherever you are. Yep. One thing, people going to firearms courses, etc. Okay, that's one part of it. But if you're going to a serious firearms course and they're not telling you you need to know this or they're not teaching you that you need to know this, then there's a problem. Yeah. Because again... Anybody can get into trouble. You need to be able to get yourself out of trouble or stay out of trouble. And get home and stay home afterwards. Yeah. Really, I mean, and, you know, understanding those rules of engagements and then also understanding what you're going to say and do this. This is the art behind the art. 100 percent. We run our guys through that training quarterly. (laughs) You got to know what you're going to say next and and all that stuff. Proudest moment in this game. I wouldn't say I've had a proudest moment. To me, it's business. Hmm. To me, it's uh, to me, it's is is something which is constantly ongoing. I'm not going to say one thing I've done is like brilliant. Yeah, because I've had a few. We've had plenty of positives, plenty of negatives, and it's ongoing. And it's ongoing. <laughs> and it's going to be ongoing until I must probably till they put me in the ground. That's, that's yeah. It. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. Um, one habit that you would say people should consider that would make them a better protector or a better person. Being aware of your environment 24-7. Yeah. Constantly looking for surveillance. Mm. Constantly looking for people's, constantly aware of people's body language. Mm. And that needs to be, I'm not going to say a habit, as we said, it's a lifestyle. So you I need guess. to be doing that 24-7. Yeah. Always aware of your environment. Always aware of people watching you. Always aware of people following you. That's 100%. it. Yeah. And that, yeah. And it becomes, and for all you guys that are like, I don't know if I can do that. It sounds paranoid. You get it becomes you. It becomes the way you move through the world. You automatically take a position with, you know, tactical superiority in the environment. You sit in the right spots. You face the right things. You look at people differently. You listen to them, but you're actually watching them as well. Like you just you become this. It's like the first time you drive. You know, you're all overwhelmed by steering and shaking mm. shifting. Now you're brushing your teeth and you're sending text messages when you shouldn't be while you're driving. <laughs> you know, you just give it a give it a while. That's a big one. Um, and then finally, you know, what's it all for? At the end of the day, how would you like to be remembered um, with your contributions? What's it all for? It's for business for me. This is <laughs> I'm it. Picking that up. I say I've been going to get out of this business for the past 20 years, but I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'll ever get out. Um, what's it all for? It's the way I live. It's what I do. Yeah, that's it. I can't say it's for it's for me. It's, it's what I do. It's what I've always wanted to do. 
even though I've hated the business on multiple times and going to be doing, trying to do other things a few times, but I've always come back to it. it's what I do. That's it's why. Just who you are, man. It's just who you are. I love it. Sadly. That's In the next cool. life, something else. In the next life, I've said my wine art or something. <laughs> No disrespect, but the chicks in the art world tend to be a lot harder, harder than the chicks in the CP world. Um, absolutely. <laughs> Far and away. I'll leave it there before I cause too much trouble. <laughs> right, we're about to go viral, y'all. Um, <laughs> what about the, um, and then finally, um, what are you up to these days and where can people find you? They can find me online. These days, I'm coming to a close of something I've been working on for 18 months. So mm -hmm. these days, we're starting up the training courses again we might be back in the u.s by the end of the year offering training courses there most probably in south florida again um but what are we doing doing what what we always do we're here working with a few clients doing a few courses nice same same awesome yeah website Best way to find me. look online look look for risk incorporated at risking and we'll pop up somewhere yeah. Outstanding. We will put the links to all the things that, that we can find on you in the show notes. This has been an awesome conversation. Real chewy, lots of good stuff out there from the reality of the game. Um, it's been such an honor, Orlando. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks. And uh, it took time, but thanks a lot. All right. Yes, sir. Nice finally talking. Okay. Yes, sir. Likewise. You need anything, you know where to find us. And yes, I'm sure. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions.